don't have sufficient uh, child care um, this morning in order for there to be any uh, workers in the nursery, but you are welcome to use the nursery if you need to at any point during the service. I invite you to stand for our call to worship. Our call to worship this morning comes from Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions. Because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Let's sing praises to our great God.
because there is no one like our God. There is no other God. There is no other Savior. There is no other name. There is no other hope. There is no other peace. There is no other joy.
So God, we just declare these truths today in this place. And we declare these truths through the lens of a cross and an empty tomb today that we know all of these promises now are yes and amen in Christ. All of them. Not one promise. Not one promise is undone and not one promise is unfulfilled in our lives. So we just trust you for these things. Whom shall we fear? What shall we fear? We look around the earth and so much is going on and people, uh, people, things, entities, God, everything plays off of fear. And we look as believers, as followers of Jesus, and we just declare, no, 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 no. Who, who, who should we fear? If you are for us, who can stand against us? And God, for all my brothers and sisters in this room right now who feel like they're just under attack from the enemy, spiritual attack. God, we just claim this promise today that nothing formed against me shall remain. Yes, yes. God, it may be formed. There may be something formed by the enemy, but it will not remain. Yes. Because of Jesus, we thank you, God, for all these things. Amen. 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 You may be seated. I'm excited to be able to share the word of God with you again. Um, The last time I preached, I realized that I have such a great passion and excitement for this. And if I could lead worship in singing, but also through the preaching of God's word, I would do both. But alas, I am one man and my voice will not last through both. So I invite you to turn with me to John 20 this morning. Uh, beginning in verse 19. Uh, I will be preaching from the Christian Standard Bible this morning, so bear with um, the translation as there may be a, some different wordings than what you're used to with, your, with um, Pastor Demi preaching from the ESV. As we look at our passage today, I invite you to see and understand the peace and patience of Jesus. Beginning in verse 19. When it was evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, called twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, If I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands... Put my finger into the marks of the nails and put my hand into his side. I will never believe. A week later, his disciples were indoors again. And this this time, Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. Look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless. But believe. Thomas responded to him, My Lord, my God. Jesus said, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, as I come before you today with your people, I'm humbled by the opportunity to preach your word and, by the, and to preach the message you've given me to preach. Father, I pray this morning that your word would be heard, that it would not be my words. Father, I pray that you would work in the hearts and minds of everyone here that by the power of the cross, you would break down barriers and destroy chains that have held your people in fear, in restlessness, 
and keeping them from walking fully with you. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would work through me as I preach. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We live in a time of division and violence. The United States of America is at one of its most divided points in history. People hate each other because of race, political stance, gender, country of origin, religious affiliation, and state of origin. It can be seen on a national scale in the way politicians and leaders fight for the public's affections by insulting and mudslinging their opposition. I've seen clips of the presidential debate the other night, and it was anything but cordial as President Trump and Joe Biden exchanged harsh words, slandering each other's character and ability to lead the country. Violence is prevalent in word and deed. Social media can be a cesspool for the worst of this divisive spirit. Those who disagree with your political or religious views may sometimes just straight up tell you they want you dead or comment with the venom of a thousand vipers. Bullies comment horrific things on others' posts, and they further increase the insecurities of their victims, leading to self-harm and sometimes suicide. There is unrest among major nations of the world and rumors of wars and unsettling tales of world governments denying basic human rights to their people. Human beings are being maimed and killed for the color of their skin and religion by other human beings. And that's not all. Fear is the spirit of this age. Fear of disease, fear of the future, fear of financial instability, fear of loneliness, fear of being rejected by others, and fear of not achieving or finding the true source of happiness. This war wages in our hearts and between our ears. Some struggle with mental illnesses, and that only serves to exacerbate these realities. There is a storm inside every single one of us, including believers. Who will save us from this madness? Who will deliver us from something that no one can see? How can the world ever be made whole? Does anyone hold the answer? Will a new or old president solve all of the racial injustice and rampant strife in this country? Will that new toy we bought bring us the same joy and satisfaction that it did to our neighbor Joe? Will having that girlfriend or boyfriend calm the storm within and alleviate our fear of being lonely? Will self-medication with alcohol or sexual sin help numb us to the wars outside and within? Who will save us from this wretched world and body of death? Thanks be to God, for he has given us Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the Maker of the universe, our Savior and King, our great elder brother, is the one who brings peace to our lives, cities, and nations. He is the Prince of Peace. And we see him bringing that peace to bear in our passage today. Read with me in verse 19. When it was evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Where were the disciples hiding after Jesus' resurrection? They were hiding in a home with doors locked. What was their reason for being there? Because they feared the Jews. Because they feared for their lives. They had just seen and witnessed what the chief priests had done to their rabbi. What would they now do to them? Would they also be crucified like their master? Or would they suffer a worse fate if there was one? What would happen to their families and friends? They may have just feared the open shame of being associated with the disgraced teacher, Jesus of Nazareth, whose words had failed. Maybe they feared being framed for the body's disappearance and breaking the seal of the governor, which was punishable by death. You can imagine the turmoil 
within the disciples. But then Jesus steps in. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. I bring to your hearts and your minds peace. For someone did not steal my body, but I have always had the authority to lay down my life and take it up again. Fear not, for I was dead, but now life flows through my veins and I breathe again. I have conquered sin and death for you. Therefore, and therefore can bring you the true and lasting peace that comes with knowing me. What proof can I show you of these things? Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. The resurrection, resurrected body of Jesus still bears the scars of his crucifixion, the crucifixion on our behalf. The cross solidified did the, the division that we separate, desperately needed fixing, the separation from God because of our sin. Jesus can say, peace be with you, because he has given us peace with God through his sacrifice. This is the peace that he brings to the inner man and woman. We no longer have to fear God's wrath because Jesus bears the scars of the wrath of God that he took for you and me. Those scars belong on you and me, but we were spared them in God's redemption plan. You know, most of the time, we as human beings need something repeated more than once for us before we finally understand that. And do you notice how many times that Jesus says, peace be with you in our passage? Twice when he's with the disciples the first time, and once when he's with Thomas. So three times in the passage. We have peace already because of what Jesus has done. Now that the disciples have this peace, it is time for them to understand their new identities in the kingdom of God. Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also am sending you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Equipped with the literal presence of God within them, the disciples are sent out to be ambassadors of peace to a broken and restless and dying world. In the Holy Spirit, they have the wisdom and power of God. They have the wellspring of eternal life inside of them that will overflow to affect the world around them. One of the benefits of having the literal God of peace inside of you is that you will experience said peace in abundance. With this peace comes healing and restoration for your heart and your soul. You have been broken externally and internally by the ravages of sin. It has left its marks without and within. The peace of Jesus Christ has come to calm your fears and bring new growth where the lies of Satan and man have left you tangled and broken. You may fear intimacy with God because of the rejection you experienced from your parents or a peer when you try to share with them your struggles with identity. You may refuse to trust God with control of your life because your life has been so out of control up to this point that you grasp for any semblance of it. Your heart may be broken because someone who said they loved you, betrayed you, and took advantage of you. But peace be with you. Jesus has died so that you might have peace with God. And God knows you better than you know yourself. And he still chose you before the foundation of the world and sent Jesus to save you. 
God is in control even in the midst of life circumstances that seemed nothing less than chaotic. Jesus loves you more than any man or woman ever could, and he bears the scars to prove it. This is the peace that Christ brings. Another gift that comes with having the God of peace dwell within is that you are a peacemaker. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. The disciples will carry this peace into the world with the gospel message. The Holy Spirit within them will bring the peace through the words they tell and preach to others. They are being sent just as the Father has sent Jesus. Do you notice the connection between Matthew 5, 9 and John 21, or 2021? Matthew says that peacemakers will be called sons of God. John says that Jesus is sending them just as the Father sent him. Their new role reflects a new identity as sons of the king. We are not only ambassadors of peace for God, but we are also his sons. We are co-heirs and fellow children of God with Jesus. My favorite passage of the Bible recently has been Hebrews 2, 10 through 18. Listen to this description of Jesus as I turn there. For in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was entirely appropriate that God for whom and through whom all things exist, should make the source of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the God who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will sing hymns to you in the congregation. Again, I will trust in him. And again, here I am with the children God gave me. Now, since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these, so that through his death, he might destroy the one, who, the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. For it is clear that he does not reach out to help angels, but to help Abraham's offspring. Therefore, he had to be like his brothers and sisters in every way so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God to make atonement for the sins of the people. For since he himself has suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. Do you see the beauty of Jesus Christ on display what he has done to not only save us, but to give us new identities restored from the stains of sin. Jesus could have saved us and left us to live out lives that ended in eternity. But he invites us into the family of God and to join him in the mission of God to bring peace to our fellow man. This is incredible and unfathomable at points. And I'm still amazed that the savior of the world calls me brother. Recently, I have been struggling with seeing who I really am. For years, I realized that having a life, that having, I've lived a life of fake realities that God is trying to set me free from. He has been showing me that I am not who I date, the music that I listen to, the movies I like, how my body looks, or even who my family was. Though not all of these things are wrong in and of themselves. But when they eclipse who God has made you to be, they can be. He, is, he has been progressively stripping away the layers of lies and half-truths that the devil and I have been fixing on myself as who I am. In the middle of this healing process, the Lord used a well-timed conversation with my brother Corbin to begin to strip away this even more and take the intensity of the healing 
to the next level. While my brother and I were catching up, and I was sharing with him about some of my identity struggles and issues, he shared with me about his journey. He said it has taken him a while, but he's become, or he's begun to see his core identity as a little boy who just wants to see and be with his father. Even as he was saying this, the Holy Spirit began to speak directly to my heart about Jesus as, a, as my big brother. Now, I'm the oldest of six kids, and being the oldest is sometimes a very, very lonely experience because I don't have an older sibling. It can be very demanding at times because I place a lot of expectations on myself. I have the eyes of my siblings watching me, and I place pressure on myself to perform and make no mistakes. So as the Holy Spirit began to speak to me, I began to think about what an older brother does. An older brother is someone I can trust, a forever friend, a man who protects me, his little brother, someone who encourages me and teaches me things and shows me a wise example, someone I want to be like and who inspires me, a man who understands how our father works on a very deep level and understands how to listen to him. He has my father's ear and intercedes on my behalf. He's the only one who I want to spend all of my time with. He accepts me as his own flesh and blood, even though I am adopted. And because I'm adopted, he doesn't see me as any different. This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus has done, is doing, and will continue to do. And you know what that reality brought to me? Peace deeper than I have ever known in my heart. Peace be with you, brothers and sisters, for you are loved by Jesus in this same way. But we are not yet done in our story. Jesus has yet to show us his patience, his infinite and sovereign patience. Read with me in verses 24 through 25. But Thomas, called twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were telling him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, If I don't see the marks of the nails in his hands, put my finger into the marks of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. In these verses, another disciple appears on the scene who was not there, apparently, when Jesus appeared the first time. Thomas doubts his friends when they tell him that they saw Jesus. He wants to see physical proof. Imagine how frustrated the disciples were when Thomas said what he did. Thomas basically called them all liars. Some were probably angry. Some were depressed. And some probably were just baffled that he didn't believe them. How many of you have been baffled, angry, or depressed when you shared the good news with someone and they just said, I'm all set? It never ceases to amaze me how when I share the gospel with someone who desperately needs the hope that I just shared with them, just push it aside and then go on to pursue some other life pursuit or some relationship as if that was their last hope. Brothers and sisters, rejoice. For God only uses us as vessels to bring his message to others. If they reject us, it is because they rejected Jesus who came before us. God doesn't save anyone because of some method you followed in sharing the good news. God may choose to save someone because you had a conversation about how your marriage does not revolve around what you want, but what he wants. And how Jesus brings peace and love to your relationship. 
God will you, may use this conversation to have them start asking questions and seeking out this God who brings the peace and love that he sees between the two of you. God may choose to save someone through a seemingly random encounter that you would have on a bus or on a train. He may use the message that you shared, though not perfectly spoken, though not spoken with any eloquent words, to begin to eat away at that person until they can't rest or sleep, until they find the source of the hope that is within you, this source of living water. It's the spirit of the living God that does all of the heavy lifting. It is the spirit who convicts and also brings illumination and new life so that we can believe. Through Jesus' sacrifice being applied to God, being applied by God the Spirit, we are able to see our sin and its horror contrasted by Jesus and his beauty. Peace be with you, for God also saves in his infinite timing. Notice what I just said there. His timing, not in our timing. We may plead and plead with someone their entire lives for them to look to Christ and be saved, but they seem to have eternally deaf ears. But then God steps in and saves them mere days or hours before they pass into his arms. God saves all ages of persons in all types. He saved a hardened Pharisee on his way to kill and jail Christians, and he saved this Kentucky boy at age five. He may have saved you as a college student or even after you were married and had kids. There is even a story of a preacher who was saved while he was preaching his own sermon. I have a very awesome story to share with you this morning about how God's timing took me and my parents by complete surprise. April 19th, 2019, I was preparing to lead my first Good Friday service at church. I had woken up a little bit later that day and had been going about my usual routine and preparing for that night. So I was taken by complete surprise when I received a random FaceTime call out of nowhere. When I saw it was my little brother, Ryan, I picked up the phone immediately and answered it. When I, when I answered the phone and his face popped up on the screen, he was grinning from ear to ear. And I'll never forget what he said in that moment. Devin, I just asked Jesus to come into my heart. I sat there absolutely stunned as my mom began to recount the story of how they had just been sitting there on the couch doing school, and Ryan just began to ask questions of my mom about salvation, about Jesus and the cross, and what to do to be saved. And before my mom knew it, my brother was praying to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Now, what makes this story so cool is the fact that Ryan had only been adopted a short time earlier. He was 12 when we adopted him, and he'd only been learning English for a couple years at that point. And my parents and I did not expect um, him to have such a grasp or understanding of the gospel when he did. We had shared the good news with him. We had prayed for him. But because we didn't know how well his English was progressing, we did not know if he understood or not. But the best part is, is that God doesn't work in our timing. God gave Ryan the clarity and understanding to be able to see his need for Jesus and to throw himself at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, you are my only hope. I was smiling the rest of the day because I had just seen God move powerfully in the life of my brother and answered my prayer for his salvation powerfully. Um, and as most of you know, a Good Friday service is supposed to be kind of solemn. So as I'm leading the, the uh, service and you know going through things, I had a smile from ear to ear the entire time. And also, as, you're, as you leave a Good Friday service, you're also supposed to be silent. But I wanted to tell everybody about what had happened. <laughs> so I kind of broke the silence a little bit. And 
only a couple weeks later, I could hardly contain my excitement as I watched Ryan profess his faith in Jesus as he was baptized. And if you look at my mom's Instagram or Facebook, you can see as this picture, as my, our youth pastor is baptizing Ryan, I'm standing in the background with both arms in the air, just praising the Lord because of the good things that he has done in my life. The seeds of the gospel had been planted by a missionary in China, by my parents, by me and my brothers, and by my pastors. And it had finally found root, and it was all in God's infinite and perfect timing. Prayers of many were answered in that moment. Since the Spirit does the heavy lifting, it's our responsibility to be obedient and follow His leading in when and how to share the good news. Just because God doesn't answer your prayer for someone's salvation right away doesn't mean that He's never going to answer it. It just means that in His grand redemption plan, it isn't their time yet. And He's waiting for a time when He will receive the most glory from their salvation. Look back to our passage to see what Jesus does and the patience that he shows. Jesus doesn't appear instantly right after Thomas proclaims his unbelief. He doesn't appear immediately to correct him. John says that Jesus appears a week later. Can you imagine how frustrated and saddened the disciples were in that moment and during that week? How many times do you think they pleaded with, G- with Thomas to believe or to convince them that they would never lie to him? How many times do you think Thomas heard them plead and just turned a deaf ear and, or just repeated what he had said before? How many, do you think that, how many of the disciples do you think gave up in one week? We know Peter had a habit of going from zero to 100 in a matter of seconds, so I can't imagine that he lasted very long. But like I said, we've all been in similar situations before. Maybe you desperately desire a parent or sibling to be saved, but they've stopped listening to you. Maybe you weep because you watch your best friend Continue to chase man after man, seeking happiness and worth, knowing that you are holding out the one who will bring them infinite and lasting joy and show her her worth. Trust God, for his ways are higher than ours. God the Son waits patiently for a week before he appears to Thomas. This sounds similar to how God waited thousands of years before he brought and sent to earth the one who would crush the serpent's head. This same God waited for 400 years before he delivered the children of Israel from bondage in Egypt. This same God waited 400 years to break the silence over the people of Israel by sending an angel to Zechariah. This same God decided that his son would stay in the the tomb three days before he would rise again. This God, our Savior, waited another week before setting Thomas free from his unbelief. What does Jesus do when he shows up again? Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look, into my, and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. He gives Thomas the exact proof he asks for. But Jesus doesn't just do this. He commands Thomas to believe. He calls into life the faith of Thomas. And how does Thomas respond? My Lord and my God. Thomas proclaims his belief in Jesus as Lord of his life, but also the truth that Jesus is who he says he is. 
Jesus is the king and son of God. Not just the resurrected man, but the resurrected and reigning God-man. The other disciples were probably elated for God had showed up to, clear, to finally clear away the doubt in Thomas's heart and mind. And Jesus gives an incredible statement at the end of this passage. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Thomas believed when he saw Jesus and the evidences of his saving work on the cross borne by Jesus' body. And Jesus says that those who believe and have not seen are blessed. That's you and me. That's every believer saved as a result of the apostles. That's every believer from Pentecost until Christ's return. Praise God, for we are counted among the blessed ones. Praise God that he ordained the means of our salvation to be other than seeing Jesus face to face. He didn't have to save the rest of us, but he chose us before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless children with Jesus. And he chose to save us by the gospel being carried to us by human beings who were just as broken and lost until Jesus saved them and change them forever. Brothers and sisters, if you are struggling with feeling like you are the one, or like you are one of the blessed, then know that God is infinitely patient with us in our weaknesses. God is not waiting for us to mess up just so he can punish us or revoke our salvation. You are held firmly in his hand. Sanctification or becoming more like Jesus is a process. You are in a relationship with God, with a God who loves you more than you know. I think we as human beings have a tendency to take our experience of the patience of other human beings and placing it on God. But God is holy, which means that he's in a completely different category than we are. His patience is on a completely different level than our frail interpretation of what patience looks like. If you are in sin or have fallen into religious practice, peace be with you, for God is waiting for you to come home. He is right next to you, waiting for you to come back or for you to seek his face with prayer and praise. He is not mad at you. He wants what is best for you, which is walking in a restored relationship with him. Redemption was to bring us back to a place where we walked side by side with God, but not just that, but give us a new identity as his child. We are children of God and co-heirs with Christ, and this is our new identity. Not whatever Satan tells you or whatever the world tries to convince you. If you are a believer and don't know exactly what this looks like, look to the epistles in the New Testament. Look at the Psalms as a guide for prayer and see that God is big enough to handle the full range of human emotion. Speak with Pastor Ademi or Brother Jay about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Most of all, seek the Lord and ask him what this looks like. He will answer you. If you know what it means to know the peace of God, then it is time for you to fully embrace your identity as a peacemaker. Pray that God would give you a heart for your neighbor or your family member or your coworker, that you would not be able to rest until you shared the peace of God that is within you through the gospel. Seek peace among your brothers and sisters in this family, but also in other representation with brothers and sisters from other representations of churches around New England and around New Hampshire. Seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. If you don't know what any of this means and don't know the hope of the gospel, I invite you to look to Jesus. See his glorious saving work and know it has the power to save even the most hardened criminal. You will know a peace and a love in a deeper way than you will ever experience or know on this earth. 
Repent of your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will become a child of God. God is waiting for you today. While today is still today, come and drink from the fountain that will not run dry and that will endlessly satisfy your dry spirit and heart. Will you bow your head with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you bring peace to our lives and that you are patient with us in our weaknesses. I thank you this morning that you are patient with me in the midst of physical weakness and in the midst of feeling unworthy. But God, your sacrifice at the cross has showed us that we have worth. Your sacrifice on the cross has given us peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are able to stand before you and worship you this morning as restored, as new creatures. Father, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would work in this place, that he would move in the hearts of your people, that he would convict of sin where he needs to convict of sin, but that he would break through lies where he needs to break through lies. Father, I pray that your people, if they are struggling in this way, would be set free. And Lord, that they would be able to sing that it is well with their soul. Amen. Yeah, and that is what we're going to sing today. As we talked through this content this morning, that was the one thing on my heart. Like, what is a what is a life full of peace say? It says it is well with my soul. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm, we're going to stand. You guys can stand with us. Stand with us today. We're going to sing and um, we're going to play through this song that has been passed down to the church through you know generations. Of course, it's beautiful. Um, and I'm going to just back up a little bit. I'll be kind of in and out of the song. Just a moment is for just all of you guys, all of us together, one voice. And so um, we'll kind of back up in and out and we'll sing. Marissa will probably sing a little bit more than I will. Just kind of leading with you guys today. But uh, let's just have the, the beautiful moment here is that you're saying it is well with my soul. Not just listen to somebody else say it. So wherever you are on this journey, let's just lift our voices today. Sing these beautiful words. And if it's not well with your soul, let's pray this in faith that it will be because of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing.
also love these moments like this because I don't feel like in our everyday lives we need to just stop and be still very long, very long. And so you just be still for a moment and say it is well right now. We're stopping long enough to remember who Jesus is. We just heard who our great Savior is.
Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. Peace be with you, brothers and sisters, until we return again. Lord, Lord. <laughs>